This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. When we walk in rejection to the things of God and we allow the things of this world to control our lives, we've died. Okay. Now that's not an utter and total, complete spiritual death. But there is a death of spirit within us because we're not being continually made alive by by the hand of God and by the spirit of God it is just as if we have died what is God's greatest desire for us here on this earth he desires for us to know him to worship him and to enjoy him we do not worship an impersonal God he is not some distant cosmic force no we're told in the Bible that he is near and personal As we finish up our study in the book of Hosea today, we see the deeply personal relationship that God has not only for his people Israel, but also for us. So let's stand today and like Israel say, what have we to do with idols? Let's join Pastor David in the book of Hosea chapter 11, verse 4 for today's study. What God is saying, that's what I did with you. I, I brought you out as a as, as just a, a mixed group of people called you in, and, and I built you up as a nation, and I strengthened you, I took care of you, I blessed you, I caused you to prosper, I gave you a great nation. And then they went to the carved images and burning incense there. They went to these other pagan gods. He says in verse 4, I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. Again, the tender mercy of God. Beloved, I think every one of us can attest to those times in our own personal lives, how God does that and works that in our lives. He comes and He's called us to Himself. He's revealed Himself to us. And I don't know about you, but I don't think it was in your life that when God called you to himself, that God came with the big finger and he stuck it in your face. And he said, you better turn or you're going to burn. I don't think that God. Now, I know a lot of evangelists that move that way, but I don't think that God moves that way. As a matter of fact, it's the word of God that declares that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And the tenderness and the mercy of God comes and takes us where we're at and says, if you'll follow me, if you'll come and follow me, I will heal you, I will deliver you, I will redeem you. That's the promise of God. And God is saying, I've done that with you. Like a little child, I I taught you how to walk. I I came around you. I, I drew you together with gentle cords, with bands of love. I took that yoke from off of your back, off of your neck. Verse 5, He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king. So again, God is saying, no, they're not going to go back into Egyptian bondage. Now it's going to be Assyrian bondage. Why? Because they refuse to repent. Verse 6, And the sword shall slash in his cities, devour his districts, and consume them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. 
beloved, we could sing all day. I exalt you. I exalt you. But in reality, the words is not what exalts him. It's our lives. Now, our words can be from what's inside of us coming out. And that's glorious and that's wonderful. And I believe that that's precious to our Lord. But when the words come out and it's not real in our lives, then I believe that that's putrid to our Lord. He does not want empty praise. He says, my people are so bent on backsliding. They call me the Most High, but they don't exalt me. How can I give you up, Ephraim? You know, just the tender mercy of God. Who, man, I, I, you're my child. And yet you've turned against me, you've turned against me. You've rejected me, you've gone after all these pagan gods. So you're going to be disciplined, you're going to be disciplined harshly. Then he comes back, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? And how can I set you like Zeboim? How many of you know what Adma and Zeboim are? There were two cities that were right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. They got destroyed when Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed. How can I, how can I make you like that? God is saying, my heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. And I read that and I thought of that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh God, our Father. Because that's what he's responding. He's responding as a father. And sometimes tough discipline. Some, some of us that are parents, and we know, sometimes tough, tough discipline has to take place. But in that tough discipline, none of us want to destroy, utterly destroy our children. We do that to get them again, to come back to the Lord, to be restored to the Lord. He says... Verse 9, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst, I will not come with terror. There is a world of difference, church, between divine discipline and divine destruction. Divine discipline, every one of us need. Okay? Every one of us need. Amen? Amen. Okay, I just want to make sure. Sometimes I feel my boat's very small. Okay. We all need divine discipline. But God help us if it comes to that point of divine destruction. God doesn't want to do that. I'll not come with terror. He says in verse 10, They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his sons shall come Trembling from the west, they shall come trembling like a bird from Egypt, like a dove from the land of Assyria. And I will let them dwell in their houses, says the Lord. So you see, after all of this declaration of, again, the the disciplining of God, he says, but I'm ready to restore you at any point, at any time. And that is the promise that God has for us in our life. The beloved, as long as we're breathing, God is not finished with us. God is not finished with us. And God desires that we come back to Him. And if we find ourselves going after the things of this world and going after things that we know aren't pleasing, God says, man, if you'll come back to me, if you'll come back to me, I will restore you. But then He goes on. It's, we're still not done. 
verse 12 really ought to kind of move into chapter 12 because it's a whole change of thought again. Ephraim has encircled me with lies, the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah still walks with God, even with the Holy One who is faithful. Now that was only at that point in time. I mean, Judah was back and forth and back and forth, and we know not too long after Israel falls, after the northern kingdom falls, that actually God brings judgment on the southern kingdom too. But there were times during that that Judah, the southern kingdom, was walking with the Lord. So verse 12, he goes on, Ephraim feeds on the wind. And he pursues the east wind. He daily increases lies and desolation. Also, they make a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil is carried to Egypt. When I was looking at that, I thought, man, was that today's headlines? What do we see in the headlines today? The, uh, uh, one of the prime minister, one of the ministers, one of the, uh, one of the heads of state of Israel, shaking hands with the heads of state of, or if they have a head of state, one of the leaders of the Palestinians. And John Kerry, right in the middle, saying, look what I've been able to do. I'm bringing peace to the Middle East. I guarantee you, John Kerry, you're not going to bring peace to the Middle East. There's only one who's going to bring peace to the Middle East, and that's the Prince of Peace. But you see, again, Israel is not a godly nation right now. I believe that they are God's nation but they are not a godly nation. Understand? And I believe that God's not done with them yet. Verse 2, the, the Lord also brings a charge against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. Remember the story of Jacob and, and, and Esau and, and, and Jacob being the heel snatcher. And so God is bringing this back to his the, again, their memory. He says he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. You remember when Jacob wrestled with God? Again, the, 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 all the background that this brings. And yes, he struggled with the angel, and he prevailed. He wept, and he sought favor from him, and he found him in where? In Bethel, the house of God, that now Israel has turned over to be Beth-Avon, the house of wickedness, and they're worshiping their pagan gods there. And there he spoke to us. That is the Lord God of hosts. Now, I, I've got, I read through that, and I need to back up real quick. Listen to this with me, if you would. I'm going to back up to the beginning of verse 4. He says, yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed, speaking of Jacob. He wept, and he sought favor from him, and he found him in Bethel, or Bethel, and there he spoke to me. Is that what it says? What does it say? Spoke to us. Who be us? I believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I believe as he spoke to God, he says there, that is, he spoke to us, that is the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorable name, Jehovah himself. And I believe in the whole encompassing of who God is, when God put in there, he spoke to us that Jacob had audience literally with the fullness of all that God is. So in verse 6, we go on. So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. Oh, a cunning, a cunning Canaanite. Deceitful scales are in his hand. He loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, surely I've become rich. 
I've found wealth by myself in all of my labors. They shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. Beloved, I believe that right there, that's a temporary declaration because deceitful scales are in his hands. So see, there is sin. And he's saying in his own life, hey, I'm not sinning. I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, look, God has blessed me because I have all of this wealth. Because my life is going so well, then that must mean God is blessing me. But all the time, he's sinning. Somebody stop right there. Flip over, if you would, to the left and look at Proverbs chapter 11. There's there's a ton of these that we could look at, but there's two of them that are relatively close right here. Proverbs chapter 11 and in verse 4. He says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. You see, just because an individual is blessed in this world, just because we have the blessings of, 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 of again, this life, does not necessarily mean that that's the blessings of God. So if you are rich in this world, but you are poor in the kingdom of God, you are in the most desperate situation. Because in the richness of this world, you think, I don't need to do anything else with God. God's I, I got this all covered out. But as he said here in Hosea, you got it by deceitfulness. You got it by cunning. You got it by, I've found wealth for myself. It's all my labors. I've done it. That's what he's saying here. There's nothing wrong with wealth, but there is a great deal wrong with wealth controlling an individual or someone declaring that, hey, I'm a self-made man. I, I did this all myself. I get the glory. Pat me on the back. Man, if God has blessed you financially, you better be giving God the glory. Look at Proverbs 11.28 again. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So and again, a cunning Canaanite thinking he's got everything fine because he's got earthly blessings. It says in verse 9, But I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. I have also spoken by the prophets and in multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the witness of the prophets. Though Gilead has idols, surely they are vanity. Though they sacrifice bulls in Gilgal, indeed their altars shall be heaps in the furrows of the field. Jacob fled to the country of Syria Israel served for a spouse and for a wife. He tended sheep for 14 some odd years. He tended sheep for two wives, but that's a whole other story. Verse 13, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. By Moses, he brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was preserved. In other words, again, God working and moving in their life. But then in verse 14, Ephraim then provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore, his Lord will leave the guilt of his bloodshed upon him and return his reproach upon him. God's goodness, man's wickedness. God's blessing, man's rejection. You would think that God would be done with them, but he continues on very quickly. Verse 13. When Ephraim spoke trembling... He exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Now, you need to understand here, when we walk in rejection to the things of God and we allow the things of this world to control our lives, we've died. Okay, 
Now, that's not an utter and total, complete spiritual death. But there is a death of spirit within us. Because we're not being continually made alive by by the hand of God and by the Spirit of God. It is just as if we have died. And man, the separation of the fellowship is there. The separation of that covering is there. We talked about this earlier on in this study. Again, how they moved out of that covering protection of God's hand in their life. He says, now they sin more and more. They've made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver, according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. And they say to them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Go to Psalm, I believe it's chapter 2. I would have had it marked, but it just came to me. Psalm chapter 2, why do the nations raise? Why do the people plot a vain thing? Kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. On it goes. And then God says in this whole thing, you need to turn from that because I'm going to discipline. In verse 8 of Psalm 2, he says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. I shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Then what does he say in verse 12? Kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way. What son do you think he's speaking about there? Christ himself. And it's an act of worship. The actual word there, kiss the son, is, is, is actually the same idea, same thought that we have for worship the son. And over here in Hosea, they're saying, no, you go kiss these sacrificial calves. That's, again, the vanity, the lostness of those that are following after these pagan gods. Back in Hosea 13, verse 3. Therefore they shall be like the morning cloud, like the early dew that passes away, like chaff blown off from a threshing floor, like smoke from a chimney. Yet I am the Lord your God. Ever since the land of Egypt, he said that over and over and over as a reminder to them. You shall know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. And I knew, and, and again, you, you think in that, who is our Redeemer? We know in the New Testament, our Redeemer is Christ Himself. Here, Jehovah God is speaking. There's no Savior beside me. Again, the strength of the Trinity of God. God the Father declaring, speaking these things. Uh, that again, there's no Savior beside me. Jesus Christ Himself, the Son, fulfilling that in the New Testament. Verse 5, I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. When they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. And yet, therefore, they forgot me. In the midst of the blessing, they forgot God. That's the story of our nation. That is the story of our nation. God had blessed us. God had protected us. God has watched over us. We were the most powerful nation in the world. And yet, because we're rejecting God and continually turning our back from Him, we are falling less and less and less in this world. But what about for you as an individual? What about for us as a church? Verse 7, So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road. I will lurk. I will meet them like a mama bear deprived of her cubs. That's one thing you don't want to get between, the mama bear and her cubs. I will tear open their rib cage 
and there I will devour them like a lion, and the wild beast shall tear them. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. So God says, I'm going to bring the discipline, but I'm also the one that you need to come to to get help from. I'm the one that you need to come to to fall before. He goes on to say, I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all of your cities and your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princes. Oh, I gave you a king in my anger. And then I took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. The sorrows of a woman in childbirth shall come upon him. He is an unwise son that he should no longer stay where children are born. And I read that and I thought, what in the world does that mean? He should no longer stay where children are born. And the best understanding that you can get from that, he is like in the birth canal, but he's not moving forward. He's like partially birthed. And man, God is saying, don't stay there. Come on, come forward. Keep moving forward. He goes on to say, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. And then we're going to read some words that sound very much like 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Do you think Paul might have had that in mind when he wrote 1 Corinthians 15? I believe absolutely so. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? No, God has destroyed both of those, the fear of both of those for the believer. Real quick, you guys keep stopping. You need to move on. Though he is fruitful among his brethren, the east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come up for the wilderness. And his spring shall become dry. His fountain shall be dried up. He shall plunder the treasury of every desirable prize. Samaria is held guilty. She's rebelled against her God. She will fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed into pieces. And their women with child ripped open. That's the very actions of the Assyrian army when they come into any nation to destroy them. They will do that. Literally, look for pregnant women and rip them open. It's absolutely bizarre. And you think, okay, that's the end of the story. Israel, you're done for. God's through with you. But praise God, Hosea doesn't have just 13 chapters. Hosea has 14 chapters. And you're two minutes late, so listen. (laughs) Oh, Israel, return to your Lord, your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. For in you, speaking of God, in you, God, fatherless, find mercy. God says, and I will heal your backsliding. I will love them freely. And for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be what? Revived. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I love that. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. 
and I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me, God says. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The 12 Minor Prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.